Welcome back to The Vault. I've got a special announcement before we get to this week's episode. Arjun has just launched a new podcast called Profit First for Lawyers. If you'd like to learn how to boost your law firm's profits and experience financial confidence like never before, you'll want to listen and subscribe to this podcast. And on August 28th, he's releasing Profit First for Lawyers as a hardcover book as well. You can get all of the details and order the book at www.profitfirstforlawyers.com. Welcome inside the vault. This is a collection of previously unreleased lessons from eight-figure entrepreneurial mastermind R. John Robbins. And in case you didn't see the warning label, this content can be explicit, and it is for serious entrepreneurs only. This week, we're going back to R. John's quarterly members-only meeting from Las Vegas in 2019. This lesson is all about leadership, the value of a reliable team, and what happens to the lone wolves who decide to go it alone. Let's go to the vault. Working with Arjan is like having a shortcut to future you. Every time I can have an opportunity to spend time with Arjan, I try to take it and be a sponge. I thought everyone was crazy. You know, they were running to the front of the stage to see this person. Arjun's wearing his crazy shirt. You know, he drinks tiger blood in the morning just for fun, and he's like breathing down my throat. Sometimes it's terrifying to work with him. It's like he's looking into your soul, but it's, it's growth the whole way. I have been in this industry since 1999. I reported for duty at the Law Office Management Assistance Service of the Florida Bar on August 24th, 1999. This is all I've been doing. I have seen a lot come and go in this industry since then. Some of you don't remember. Some of, some of us do. Some of, some of you won't admit it, <laughs> but I was there when lawyers were debating whether or not it was ethical to use email to communicate with clients. Who remembers that? A few of you, yeah? I was in the middle of the battle that waged in 2000 over whether law firms were in violation of bar rules when they used cloud-based software as a service. There were committees formed and people fighting over this. And there wasn't even, no one even knew what the cloud was. We didn't use the cloud. They had, they called it software as a service. Remember that? Um... I remember when Wi-Fi came out and law firms before then, the state of the art were T1 lines. Anyone not know what a T1 line is? If you're like under 40, you probably don't even know what a T1 line is, (laughs) right? Uh, T1 lines were like the biggest thing ever. And then Wi-Fi came out, and then we had all these uh, bar committees and ethical debates and all that about, 
you know, whether it was ethical to use Wi-Fi because your computer wasn't physically connected to a wire. I've seen everything in this industry come and go over the last 20 years. And I am telling you that there has never been in the legal industry, in the history of this planet, a better team of small law firm management professionals than the people that who I am proud, who I feel privileged to work with on my team every day. And at the risk of overstating the point, I think you should all feel very blessed and lucky to have access to them. Because for hundreds of years, lawyers have been struggling with the management of their law firm like a business because they've never taught lawyers about the business of running a law firm in law school ever. And lawyers have been struggling with this. And the only law firms that ever had anyone helping them who actually knew what they were doing were big law firms that could afford professionals like these people for well into the six figures. Consequently, what became normal for small law firms, what became the standard for small law firms, what owners of small law firms considered to be acceptable is what we in this room consider to be unacceptable. It's unacceptable to be running your law firm without a business plan. It's unacceptable to be running your law firm without a marketing strategy. It's unacceptable to be running your law firm without a clear, intentional, deliberate strategy on how to convert prospective new clients into paying clients. It is unacceptable to be running your law firm without documented processes and systems and procedures. It is unacceptable to be running your law firm without any kind of job descriptions where your team knows what is expected of them in plain English so they can feel empowered and engaged and safe to bring their best to your business. It is unacceptable to be running your law firm without any kind of plan for the management and the future development and maintenance of your physical plant which includes especially the intellectual property of your law firm, the policies, the procedures, and the systems. It is unacceptable to be running your law firm without financial controls. Who in the hell runs a business without financial controls? I'll tell you who runs, a law, I'll tell you who runs businesses without financial controls. Amateurs. Rank amateurs. People who have a hobby, they run it without financial controls. It is unacceptable. It is the most unacceptable of all of the lists of unacceptable 
what tops the list as most unacceptable, inexcusable, is running a law firm without having clear goals. Financial goals that you can measure the performance of the law firm against. Personal goals so you can make sure that your law firm doesn't eat your life alive, eat your personal life alive and ruin your family. So that you can show up as the best version of yourself instead of a washed out version of yourself because you're so stressed out because your law firm fucked you all kinds of up because you don't have any kind of personal goals and without any kind of professional goals. That is the most unacceptable of all because that shows a complete lack of leadership. And if you can't even have enough self-respect for yourself and for your family who depends on your business to achieve some kind of financial, personal, professional goals, then how do you get your clients to depend on you? Why do you, how do you, how do you get a team to follow you? How do you get people to believe in you when your actions demonstrate that you don't even believe enough in yourself to lay down your goals, to articulate your vision, to be clear with yourself first why you're doing any of this. What I hope you all got from each of these introductions is that all of these people, there's a lot of things I hope you got. One of the things I hope you got, I already said, which is I hope you got how fortunate we all are to have access to this team. The second thing I hope you got is that they're not up here because of the money. What's driving them is belief in what we're doing, the vision, the mission, the purpose, to wake up every day and feeling like you're making a contribution to something that's going to matter. This team allows me to stand up here and do what I do. The difference between a business and a hobby is the difference between having systems and procedures and running it for financial profit. Hobbies don't need a financial profit. Businesses do. For a business to be a business, it requires systems. We all know that. If you're brand new to how to manage, then you haven't heard that enough times yet. So hear this now. For a business to be a business, it requires systems. Systems run businesses. Hobbies don't need systems. Hobbies you can do on a whim. Hobbies you can do however you feel like it. Hobbies you can do with self-indulgence. People run systems. And the way you can get people to run systems is by giving them a reason to do so. 
And that's where the vision comes in. That's where the leadership comes in. People work with you. All right, let me step back a minute. Allie, stop doing that. Um, let me step back a minute. Um, I think too often we get asked the wrong question. And the question we get asked too often, which is the wrong question, is how do I get great people to work for me? How many of you would like to know how to get great, amazing people to work for you? Well, if any of you ever figure it out, please let me know. Because I don't know. I, I try to get great, amazing people to work with me. And to get people to work with you, you've got to give them something bigger to work towards. You've got to give them a way to get really engaged in what you're doing. Because to get great people to work for you, that's micromanaging. Hey, do this, do that, lift this, move that, push this button, turn that dial. And what, you can maybe get two or three robots to do that for you before you lose your mind. But to build a team, you've got to have systems and you've got to give them a reason to follow the systems and a reason to work with the systems and the reason to, to, to take the initiative to make improvements to the systems. And that comes from the vision. Um, in order to get great people to get engaged, three things have to be true. And we're going to be going into this over the course of the next two days. One thing that's got to be true is you've got to give them the tools and the training and the resources and the instructions. That's like the lowest level. That's, even that is better than what most law firms are doing these days. But that's the lowest level. The second thing that's got to be true is you've got to give them something to believe in. You've got to show them why and how following these systems matters. And third is you have to create an environment that allows them to feel safe. No one, not me, not you, no one is going to take initiative if we don't feel safe. Policies allow people to feel safe. Procedures allow people to feel safe. Systems allow people to feel safe. But what makes people feel safe more than any of that is when they know what you stand for. And they know why you're doing what you're doing. Because then they can depend on you to have a consistent criteria. Then when not if things go wrong, when, not if they make mistakes, when, not if the shit hits the fan, they can have a level of comfort to understand how you're going to respond, how you're going to react. 
what is going to cause you to completely lose your shit and what's not going to completely cause you to lose your shit. If people don't know where you stand, if people don't understand your mission, if people don't see your vision, if people don't understand your values, your philosophies, your beliefs, if people don't understand why your mission matters to you and why you're going to keep your eye on the prize and not get distracted by all kinds of different things that happen along the way, then they're scared to take any initiative. And then you can recruit all of the best people in the world and you're just going to ruin them one after the other or they're going to leave because they won't want to put up with your bullshit. Make sense? I have had to learn how to be a leader. And I'm still learning how to be a leader. And I think that I'll still be learning how to be a leader until I die. I don't think that's something that you just like, well, I've learned how to be a leader. Check it off my list. Off I go. You're always learning how to be a leader because you're always learning you're always growing, you're always changing, your team is always learning, your team is always growing, your team is always changing, the environment in which you're operating is always changing and growing, and so you're constantly having to learn how to be a leader. Now, this is not my whole team. Look behind you. Uh, Where is my marketing and sales team? Marketing and sales team, make some noise. Make some noise like you're here. <laughs> That's the marketing and sales team. Marketing leads to sales. You get the marketing done, you get the sales done right, you systematize that, and that leads to, come on, we all know it, production. Where's my operations team? Come on, make some noise. It's the operations team. You get the operations done, you get, you get the processes, the policies, the systems, the procedures, you get the operations going, and that gives people jobs to do, which in my business is part of operations. You get that going properly, and you've got money to deal with. Where's my finance and accounting team? Yeah! That's what you want your finance and accounting team to sound like. Wouldn't it be bad if it was like, (laughs) we're here, we're bleeding in red. Um, Look, 10 years ago, my business, 10 years ago, my business grossed either $75,000 or $200,000. I don't remember. And it's sort of like the two-year-olds and the two-and-a-half-year-olds debating who's in charge because of seniority. At a certain point, the difference between $75,000 and $200,000 is like, it's no difference. Last year, our business grossed $11,248,000. The $248,000 is like a rounding error.
this year, we're on track to close the year at $15 million. We have a team in place to grow us to $20 million next year. You don't have to aspire to have a $15 or a $20 million business to need to learn how to manage and lead a team. You can't accomplish anything worth accomplishing without a team. So if you aspire to have a $10 million business, a $20 million business, that's great. And there's a lot of really compelling, strong arguments in favor of why you should want to do that. But you don't have to. Because there's also a lot of really strong, compelling arguments for why you shouldn't want to do that. And that's fine too. But understand this about lone wolves. Lone wolves die alone. And you know how lone wolves die? Anyone want to guess? They starve to death. That's how lone wolves die. They die of starvation. They get too old to hunt on their own and they starve to death and die. And that's happening every year out there in the legal industry. Lawyers who never bothered to learn how to build a team, never bothered to learn how to lead a team, never bothered to articulate any kind of a vision that could attract or inspire a team, they die of starvation. And it's a sad sight to see. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Tune in next week for more lessons from the vault. 